Mmm, ladles and jelly spoons. Welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with Dave McCormick. We are in an undisclosed location for the time being. And, uh, yeah. So, we've we've already covered a lot of great ground. But, uh, where were we? I'm Richard Allen Watson, philosophy and Nietzsche. You were talking about how uh, you don't read a lot of philosophy. Philosophy can be a bear to read. Well, um... Just to be real. Well, I read very well. Yeah, um, oh yeah. But, but I and I usually read pretty fast. But I just find that when I read philosophy, I I don't know. It doesn't produce a nice even thought train, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Or something. It always seems very jerky to me, and it's hard for me to read things that. Are very stop and startish and require a lot of thinking in between and things like that, you know. Um, though sometimes I do stop and do a lot of thinking, even though, you know, I'm watching YouTube videos. Lots of times I'll stop and rewind that and, you know, check it out and say, well, okay, you know, and then think about it a little bit and then start it back up. And that's probably how you should do philosophy, but it's hard for me to do that. Well, I agree with you in that. Uh <clears throat> start and stop. I remember <clears throat> I remember the first time I read the Tao Te Ching uh, and by the first time I read the Tao Te Ching I mean the first time I tried to read the first page of the Tao Te Ching which I repeated nearly a dozen times before I got to the second page of the Tao Te Ching <laughs> and so there's there's definitely a need for taking your time with stuff like that. And I guess when it really comes down to it, granted, the great philosophers, I guess, in a lot of ways, their whole job is to create, is, call, is to cause you to think, mm -hmm. you know, to, I guess, maybe urge you to think in some different ways. Um, I'm, I'm pretty particular to my own way of thinking. <laughs> Yeah, but you've been working on that for a really long That's time. That's true. I'm 50 years old, and yeah. I have been working on it for a long time. I, I think there comes a point when you can, you're allowed to default to your own general knowledge to a certain extent. Well, yeah, and, you know, just, well, you know, you're like I am. We, we tend to study things, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, when you study things, and then I know you're a very open-minded guy, too, then you look at the opposite side of it and the people who are calling bullshit on that mm -hmm. and see what they got to say. And, you know, by the time it's all over with, you know, I find that either I have a very, very clear thought of what I think about it or I'm just kind of, well, you know, you can't know. Mm -hmm. You know, not I don't know, it's you can't know. Yeah, and that's so far out of most people's daily realm of thought, and and it tortures it tortures some people to to never think like that. Uh, well, it's probably tortures some people to try to think like that. Yes, and then for the two to try and communicate ends up with social media. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm pretty well disgusted by the anonymity of, you know, the computer screen. 
And it allows people to be so... to spew their vitriol, just to spew their hatred and their and their ignorance. And you know, sometimes it they they're so sure of themselves in their ignorance that it becomes actually funny. But most of the time it's just aggravating. You know, once in a while it becomes humorous because here's a guy who's you know he, he, here's a, you know, somebody will be spouting all this stuff through the anonymity of, you know, of a Facebook page or a, yeah. or a YouTube comment section, you know, or, and it's just, they're just spouting all this stuff and it's just ignorance and hatred and, you know, he doesn't even, he has no idea what he's talking about. And that's, I don't know, that, that, course we're only at the beginnings of that you know social media has only been out there a little while yeah we're only at the beginnings of it and it's like and it's already so bad you know yeah yeah but maybe that's just the rough beginning hopefully well and there's a whole lot of closet cleaning that has to happen <laughs> for for everybody to catch up, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure that uh, I'm not the only person from Alabama that is just a little sad that we don't make international news until recent headlines. Like, really? Couldn't be something good. Couldn't be a positive thing. But the last two things I saw Alabama in international headlines for... (laughs) Just were not the kind of things you'd write home about. Dude, I'm from West Virginia. Think about that for a minute. I mean, there ain't never, ever anything positive comes out of West Virginia. And, you know, the only things that are positive that come out of West Virginia are West Virginia's best and brightest that leave the state. That's what comes out of West Virginia. It's best and brightest that cannot make a living there anymore because everything is so corrupt and drug-addled, you know, opioid-addled and methamphetamine-addled. Yeah, that's a, it's a problem. It's a real problem. You know, a few days ago, a friend of mine, evidently some dude named David McCormick, had uh, got messed up on the meth and had held his parents at knife point in Meigs County, Ohio, or somewhere, and some friend, you know, tagged me with it and said, don't do it, Dave. You know, I'm just like, man. Oh, <laughs> goodness. But it's just like. It's horrible. There almost is no positive news. You know, I've long thought that there ought to be two newscasts. Yeah. There ought to be the negative news. Then there ought to be the positive news where they show the little kids having their Christmas parties and, you know, doing their Christmas plays and stuff. That's the, the, the happy news, you know? I don't think that there should just be one kind of news. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, I think uh, if you look back to what news used to be, it, there, was a good, there was a good balance, you know, back in the days of Walter Conkright. <laughs> Walter Conrad. Yeah. It's, uh, it wasn't all terrifying. It wasn't all terrifying all the time. And the news really isn't that bad. Like, the, the mainstream media, by mainstream, I mean corporate 
media has has bought in lock, stock, and barrel to this whole fear culture, fear mongering thing, and yeah. so the perception that everything is horrific is part of the manufactured culture that we live in because we could go and readily find great examples of good things happening but i think that's part of the system reifying itself is to keep all that down and that's why the media is so fear-mongery is because if if people got good news all the time then they'd go oh i want to go i want to go do that and as soon as that starts happening and people start eating mushrooms because it's legal in california then the whole game's over, and then the house of cards and the charade falls down. <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, it's it's. I don't know. This this kind of in a certain way correlates to songwriting. It's hard to write a happy song. Yeah, it you is. Know, it's much much more hard to write a happy song because. When when everything's all light and happy and pretty, it becomes trite pretty soon. Yeah. You know, it, it quickly becomes you know giddy and trite and 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 almost a thing to be poked fun at. Uh, whereas sad subjects are much easier to expound upon. You know, tragic, horrible, shocking things are much easier to. Well, I don't know. In 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 the wrong way, it brings everybody together. You know, the shock and the horror of a catastrophe. Of yeah. some catastrophe, yeah. I mean, at least we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I think in some ways that's why it has become the way it's become with the news media because it's much more attention-grabbing. Of course, that's what all television is about. It's about selling advertising. Right. Therefore, it's got to grab your attention yeah. before the advertising is working. Ooh, look and, over here. One of those things. Yeah. And if, you know, and if I can grab your attention... You know, I got two ways to try to grab your attention. The first one is um, little kids having their Christmas play. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. <coughs> bombs. Or bombs going off. Which Blowing one? up in weddings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which one of those are you going to do? You know, or like you say, some natural catastrophe that's happened in Thailand or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's what you're going to show because that grabs people's attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel that the whole mass media thing at this point, I, I haven't watched TV. I haven't. Yeah. I mean, we watch, I watch movies and videos and YouTube stuff and things like that. But... Man, I haven't watched TV for like 10 years. Oh, I've, I haven't been that long, but I'm working on it. And I agree with you because it saves me so much stress and headache. Yeah. To I just mean, not all, see the news. First of all, the commercials are just so obtrusive and loud. And it's just like, how can you watch anything when every five or eight minutes you're getting interrupted? You know, and 
at least the stuff that I like to watch on YouTube, old history stuff and nature stuff, they're not, they don't have that in it. You know, and if I come on to a video that's got, you know, if an ad pops up in the middle of a video I'm watching, it's gone. I'm yeah. done. No, I ain't going to do that. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I am probably, you know, for a long time, I would say that I got my news off Facebook. Yeah. Because whatever, whatever everybody was talking about. You know, then I'd kind of sometimes go check it out myself, you know, Google it. And yeah, just use that as a starting point. Yeah, watch a video and see what, what I think's really went on. Mm -hmm. But it's just to the point where it's just, you know, people blowing up people at a concert. You know, people shooting and killing people that are gathered together for peaceful means. And, you know, the world is getting meaner and uglier. And people are more and more messed up on hard drugs. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, before we start talking about the opioids and maps, I'm going to turn this video on. All right. So hold that thought for just a second. We'll turn the. Uh, we'll start this recording first. So. Well, I don't really want to get in. There's the camera. That's just such a mess to start talking about anyway. Why is that? Well, because there is no answer to it. There is no cure for it. You don't think meditation is a good cure? Not if they won't do it. <laughs> My meditation ain't going to cure anybody's addiction problems, you know? It don't even seem like that my prayers intercede with someone else's addiction problems. And it just seems like it's getting worse and worse. Well, there it is. Are we on? We're on Facebook. Truth, love, and peace. Welcome to Facebook Live. Thanks for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Hi, y'all. I am here with Dave McCormick. And I'm here with Compton J. Smith. And we have been sitting around discussing uh, philosophy and, and social media and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, so welcome to the conversation. Uh, we'll try and keep up with with comments and all that good stuff as we hang out, but I, this, I was thinking about the, um, the social media thing, I got sucked back to that for some reason, because I guess because I was staring at the Facebook. You were looking at social media? Yeah, because I was looking at the social media, and uh, how there is so much infotainment out there now, and it's, uh, it's a really weird, it's a really weird thing that you don't see as much real news. The, the infotainment is more reliable than most news outlets these days. I think news has become way too much opinion. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna listen to somebody's opinion, I at least want it to be funny. Yeah, I mean, we're, well, at that point, if you're going if you're dealing with somebody's opinion, we're back to philosophy. 
Right, and I can, <laughs> right, and then I can go and do some research and criticize somebody's philosophy, but it's still not news. Well, it's <laughs> the news has been slanted so hard. You know, um, it, it's always slanted to somebody's agenda. You know, whether it's the liberals or the conservatives or the lovers <clears throat> or the haters of any given thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we've all known people in our lives that tell you the part of the story that they think will get the desired result from you. Yeah. You know, they'll yeah. tell you the story the way that to get you to react the way they want. Well, that's the way the news are. That's the way the news is. You know, they they're telling you what to think. They're not giving you information and saying draw your own conclusion. They're telling yeah. you what to think. Yeah. And that's really problematic. That is. That's bad. That's ugly. That's, um, well, it's the opposite of a, of a free, of a fourth estate, okay? Yeah. The fourth estate. You know, the whole idea that the news media should be unencumbered by political machinations. Yeah. Uh, and ideological. Well, and it's almost Stuff. it's almost a a problem between the crossover between news and for profit because that uh, that gets tricky because at what point is the news a public service and you're charging people for a service or are you charging them for entertainment and then ratings and then that just seems. I don't know. That doesn't well, seem like that's going to make a lot of people happy. Well, even the news, you know, they're rating the news, and the reason they're checking the news ratings is so they can see how much to charge for the advertisement. Yeah. Which brings us back to where we started again, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, because it all becomes money, and that is the main problem, you know. The, the good book does say that the love mm-hmm. of money... Mm-hmm. Is the root of all evil. Don't say money's the root of all evil. It says the love of it is. Yeah. So. Well, don't you think that's just because it's a false power? That uh, that it's a middleman. You know what I? It has some I, value, sure. I, I like was going to say I don't even think it's a false power. I, I think that in this day and age, it is the power. Yeah. I mean it hasn't it always is. been that way though it's been heading that way for a very long time um you know there have always been the haves and the have nots and and so you know that that's always been a social issue a social catalyst for a very long time, the, you know, the haves and the have-nots. I mean, from the whole feudal system in Europe to the way China was set up with, you know, where where almost everybody had nothing. Yeah. You know, everybody was basically a serf except for the nobles. You know, and in a lot of ways... They're the people that have always had the money in there, and they're the people that still do. 
I mean, granted, you know, there once was a time when a man with nothing but a brain and a willing to work hard, you know, and a willingness to work hard could come to America, mm-hmm. you know, or some other less exploited, less populated place yeah. on earth and, well, exploit the natural resources for his own self and get wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's been some of that, but I'm of the opinion that that time's over. Yeah. You know, I think now if you don't have money to start with, or at least access to money to turn your thing into a major piece of capitalism, it's not going to work. Because Walmart will not let a mom-and-pop business run anymore. Right. You know, I lived in a small town in West Virginia called Spencer. And Spencer used to have a lot of manufacturing. It had a state mental hospital there. It had a, there was a bra factory there. There was mm-hmm. a factory that uh, made wood products. There was another factory that made uh, plastic products like, um, you know, when you when an airplane's wrecked and you jump out onto that big plastic slide thing. Oh, yeah. They made things like that. Cool. And, but now, all that's gone. The town also used to be filled with small mom-and-pop shops. Every store was there, there was a small mom-and-pop shop. Uh, you know, locally owned hardware stores, locally owned clothing stores, locally owned shoe stores, grocery stores, everything. Now, Walmart moved in there. Man, there ain't, there ain't, there's not a dozen out of the, once upon a time, I'd say there was roughly a hundred locally owned businesses in that town. That's a hefty number. And now, there probably isn't a dozen. Goodness gracious. I mean, so... That's a huge amount of finance, economy, just gone. Well, and it's... And now, whereas, you know, that used to pay for local kids' music lessons, and you know, and... And pay for kids, call local kids to go to college and things like that. Now that money goes to Walmart. Yeah. You know, that money, it doesn't even stay in Spencer. It doesn't even stay in West Virginia. Yeah, that's one of the, one of the horrible and things about How can you thing. compete with a company that can buy a million dollars worth of something at a time? Yeah. How can you and I possibly compete with that? On a commercial level, there's no way. No. On a money level, there's no way. Now, can we find a niche? Maybe. But can we get rich off that niche? Nowadays, very few people do. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes time to expand, you can't find the money. You know, or when you look at the numbers, there's still no way that you can compete with Walmart. Yeah. You know, in the long run. Just because of their buying power. They just have so much more buying power than any local 
businessman is ever going to have. Well, what do you think of universal basic income? Making everybody make the same amount of money? Well, everybody starts with, you know, every year gets a, a small salary from the government, if you want to call it that. But not like anybody's sending anybody money. But because you are, you know, if you agree to be a citizen of the United States of America, then every year, instead of you paying a shit ton in taxes and all this other stuff, the government's actually going to send you uh, a statement that says, we paid this for you this year. We paid, you know, we paid your power bills. We paid your... Whatever, you know, your property tax, your rent, the things that you need to survive. And in most, pla in most places, the places where this works out, that, that have, uh, people get, would, would get like 12000 or $20,000 a year. So not a huge amount of money, but like $12,000 a year would cover your rent and your power, you know. And so that would mean the, the money that you make doing whatever you do could be put to better use. That's the kind of the idea behind universal basic income. Okay. At least that's the version of it I like. Well, part of it anyway. I, ideally, well, that sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it is, that is socialism to some small degree at least. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, socialism in the real world is problematic. It's at, well, least, yeah. it's at least as bad as capitalism. <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's in at least as bad as capitalism. <laughs> I think, and, you so, know, and, and a lot of people don't like it. I think the best... The best historical examples for me look more like communism when you think about it from a communal standpoint. Well, you know, and these tribes of hunter gatherers. Well, that kind of works well, but then you look at our, our population and it gets way out of way out of whack. Well, yeah, well. I mean, and the beauty of Different that hunter gatherer culture is that if anyone suffers, everyone suffers. If anyone's <clears throat> doing well, everyone's doing well. Right, and that's that tribe. Yeah, everybody's taking care of each other, and, well, I, I guess I could be wrong, but I think that's the ideal way that human beings should be existing. Well, that's the way that we've evolved to exist, is in tribes, and the studies have been done, they say that we work best in groups of like 30 or 40 uh, at a time, and, and that's... That's about where we should be. That's about how large well, communities should be. Because yeah. when you get more than that, it gets more stressful. And there are all, there's all kind of research that's been done in the well, tribalism. You know, I've put a lot of thought into it. And if I could be anybody at any time, I would want to be a Plains Indian about seven, born about 1700. Oh, yeah? And then that way, the horses would be there. Yeah. Um, the white man wouldn't. <laughs> uh, hey man, I'm really sorry about last night. We're live. We're live. <laughs> That's cool. Apology accepted. Well, I, was, I was trying cool. to get an armadillo, dude. I, I didn't mean to scare everybody. Okay. But I, uh, I have been doing a lot of research into these uh, these ancient tribal cultures, 
that uh, that did really well for themselves. Um, just it did even better for themselves than some of these early civilizations that got mired down in uh, in having to stay put. Like the Vikings, I've been doing a lot of research into Norse history and uh, Nordic cultures and. It seems like that culture was very mobile, and they could take, they had cities, and they had these towns, but they could go, and they could pop up anywhere, and, and do what they needed to do, so there's a lot of fluidity in that, and I think civilizations and farms constrains us in a way that, that is kind of, it's detrimental, you know, keeping, keeping people from having that fluidity of well, the, you know, the beauty of that Plains Indian tribe attitude was, well, we've lived here for a little while. Uh, we've shit, in the, you know, we've shit here and we've pissed here and we've used up all the natural resources and the horses have eat all the grass. Let's move on beyond it. Yeah. You know, we'll come back here next year. It'll yeah. be fresh again. I like the nomadic lifestyles. I do too. For a, for a lot of those reasons. I've tried it before, you know, I packed up the van and cruised around for a couple months, did some couch surfing, which is one of the reasons that I've gotten into what I, I want to travel some more, so. Well. It's a punishment not a lot of people look forward to. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the, the base word, the root word of travel is travail. <laughs> which means to struggle mightily. Yeah, yeah. And in the olden days, traveling was to struggle mildly. Yeah, there was a video game called Orient Trail that, uh, I don't know if you recall, but it was the first video game that was ever popular was exactly that, that point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you think traveling's a good idea? <laughs> it would have these pop-ups where like, so-and-so in your party is dead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the first video game. It's a catalog of how, how treacherous travel can be. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But that gets us back to philosophy, you know, and that's one of the things that I think our culture struggles from and suffers from is that, uh, one, people aren't forced to get out and actually travel the world, and most people's lives aren't just that doesn't happen. Yeah, so, they're, they're very insulated, and they right. don't get different point of views. And, and when you can't do it physically, it makes it a lot harder to do it mentally. Well, and then you watch television, and, and I find, I mean, what little bit of actual information and real, real things, you know, what little bit of that is still on television, um... People won't watch it because they're too busy watching uh, American Idol or Jersey Shore or some scripted reality show. Yep, reality. You know, there was one of the one of these shows. I was sitting at some some friends of mine house here. It was probably about a year and a half ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. They were watching this show about. It was one of them Alaska shows. I don't know which one it was. I love those Alaska shows, most of them. Well, this one here, as soon as I watched it, there was there was supposed to be like, it was this family. But one of them had a New York accent, and another one had a California accent, and another one had an Alabama accent. 
And I was like, these people ain't kin to each other. <laughs> they don't look alike. They don't act alike. They damn sure don't sound alike. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, granted, people move around and their accents get muddled up a little bit. I understand that. But one member of the family don't speak like they're from New York did. You know, and then the other one, they talk like me. You know, got a real Southern accent. And then another one talks like he's from Southern California. I'm just like, man, you know, I mean, not only is this shit scripted, but this this is a cast. You know, this yeah. is not a family. This is a cast. And I was just like, Wow. Reality television. Yeah, yeah. It's a joke. It is a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. I mean, and then there was this one thing that I was at a friend's house. See, that's the only time I ever watch TV is when I'm at somebody else's house. Yeah. So I'm at somebody else's house, and they're watching this show. And, you know, probably everybody but me knows who these people's names are. But it was a black man and a woman. And what they were doing was they were watching last week's video on TV where they on a DVD where they could stop it and start it and they were discussing what they meant by what they said on last week's video. What? And I was like you know, I looked at my friend who was he's ostensibly a pretty intelligent dude. But I was like, man, this is the fact that he Ain't turned this down so me and him can have a conversation. Yeah. Bothered me. You know, it was just yeah. like, like what in the world? How can how can an ostensibly intelligent human being even expose themselves to this, much less watch it religiously? Mm-hmm. You know, and I bet then the next week they watched last week's video and expounded upon it some more. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, it's like, come on, man. Is that, ain't that, ain't that a ever tightening circle that ain't going nowhere? Yeah. What good comes out of that? Yeah. What good comes what, out of that? Yeah. What, what positivity? Much like good. Let's just take good out of it. What positive comes out of that? Not a lot. Nothing from my mind. Not to my that. mind, nothing, nothing is coming out of that positive. Well, I'm like you. I think uh, you mentioned earlier. I haven't. I don't get cable anymore. Like the only thing on my television is uh, Netflix, Hulu. You know, internet services. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> me too. And I am a history fanatic. Me too. And watch a ton of stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, all kinds of educational stuff. I mean, you can. I don't know where to find a good list, but I'm sure I've got lists out there somewhere of the YouTube stuff that I come across. But um, is there anywhere that that you that you get news that people may not already be aware of? Like, do you have any secret gems? No. No. Okay. Good. No, I don't. I always feel like I'm out of the loop, so I gotta ask. <laughs> well, I am out of the loop, and and so I don't even ask because. When they tell me, I'm still not going to know. I'm so far out of the loop that when you inform me, I'm still ignorant. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's really hard to keep up with news. It's just not even fun anymore. It's not even fun. People are just... 
Well, it's just as you said a while ago. It's a bunch of opinion. It's it you know it's it's for the most part a bunch of people hating. It's people being angry. Like uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you saw Rock Kilo's post earlier. Uh, if you do the Facebook thing, but Rock has been posting some some prolific stuff on Facebook recently and uh, and quoted himself in uh, the ab- you know the absence of love and in regards to what's going on and it's a very astute observation that uh, there's just a, there's so much anger like this fog of anger that uh, science is starting to to find out how dangerous inflammation is and how all a lot of this dietary stuff is causing all this inflammation that's making us more likely to get angry and then you put a bunch of anger food out in front of us and watch us go nuts yeah it's so it, it makes sense well and then it makes the, sense you know and people are more and more addicted to a wider variety of drugs with a wider variety of reactions most of which are bad which is really interesting and you know when you add you know, and, and most people, drugs lower their inhibitions. Yeah. And their inhibition to get angry. Yeah. Well, depending on which drugs you talk about. Like, well, uh, are granted, we talking, what, what kind of drugs? Are we talking about air? Are we talking about, uh, talking about well, plants? Well. Are we talking about alcohol? Spirits? I'm, Isn't that interesting? Well, Spirits. Yeah. It's a fun name. Well. Spirits is a double meaning word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually, in in my mind, only means one thing. In vino veritas. Which is, yeah, in vino veritas. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it, there are. I've only ever burned one book in my entire life. <laughs> oh yeah, which one was it? <laughs> I bought a book. I bought this book and then burned it. Um, The reason I burned it was because my girlfriend at the time kept taking it outside. Uh She would pick it up and carry it and put it out on the porch. Uh And so over time, after having retrieved it from the porch, half a dozen times I went to her and said, hey, Talk to me a little bit about what's up here. You know, why are you taking that out to the porch? And her, and she said, why do you even have that book? Why did you? She said, I saw that book before you did, and I knew you was going to get it. <laughs> and what the book was, was the Encyclopedia of Demonology. <laughs> That's awesome. The Encyclopedia of demonology, circa. I don't know, probably in the eighties or the nineties. You know, it wasn't real, real old, but it didn't seem to be real new either. And it was a book bigger than that mythology book that I yeah that I loaned you. Just probably large enough to call a tome. Is it a small tome? <laughs> a small tome. <laughs> But I mean, was this like legit old school apothecary voodoo kind of like well informed? It seemed to be, and the bulk of the book was 
the names of demons and their attributes and their appearances and their powers and the things that they mm -hmm. seem to have influence over. How much do you remember about it? Like where, how, like how, what, what was the cultural root? How many cultures did it span? How many cultural influences did you see? These are the questions that are hot on my mind right now. I've been looking for overlaps in all these stories. So, well, did any of it sound familiar? You'd be like, "Oh, I know where that's from," or "I know where that's from." That well, sounds familiar. Well, some of it, you know, uh, quoted Bible stuff. Not sure. very much of it, but but a little bit of it did. Sure. And um, more of it seemed to be almost more like an old English type thing. Um, but the thing, I guess the reason I brought this up was because, and eventually then I burned that book. Yeah. Because it bothered a woman who was very godly. Mm -hmm. And when she asked me, why did you buy that book? Why do you even have that book? Why are you reading that book? And I said, because knowledge of my enemy is power. Mm. And she said, well, knowledge is one thing, but, you, but the book's in the house. <laughs> and so rather than and I thought about it I thought about taking it back to where I got it and, mm -hmm. and eventually I thought no I'm just going to burn this and so that's the one book I've ever burned and probably will never ever burn another one. well uh, if you're going to conduct the experiment but that's a good one here was the upshot of all this last 10 minutes of bullshit I've been talking their attributes and what they what they had power over and what they had influence upon. Mm -hmm. And so many of them, the common thread between all of these demons, almost every one of them worked through alcohol, depression, and anger. Yeah. Almost every one of them. You know, some of them were, were a little more specific now you ask where did this book come from i don't know i mean i would have had to done more studying in it to to figure that out you know where did she get all the name it was a woman that wrote it and she was a witch she was she was a witch you know and she claimed that she believed in god and yeah. and, and you know and worshiped god you know and not the way i understood it you know, she wasn't worshiping the dark god. She was worshiping. Man, I don't give a shit if creative light god. I don't give a shit if God's footnotes say "see me," but he better have some goddamn footnotes. That's all I'm saying. Now, say that again. I said I don't care if God's footnotes simply say "see me," <laughs> but he better have some goddamn footnotes. <laughs> Cite your sources. <laughs> well, even if you're a witch, cite your sources. Well, as she probably did, but once again, yeah. I didn't get real, real far out into that book. That's good. And and I, you know, like like I say, eventually I came to the point where I was just starting to see the same things over and over and over again. The only differences being their physical appearances and their names. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you probably could look it up. <laughs> I probably won't, but I could. Okay. I'm, glad, I'm actually glad you won't. You know? I, mean, that's good. I don't need to. I, well, I've 
but it was just working through depression and anger and alcohol and drugs and yeah. you know it was just that was that seemed to be the common thread that they all had you mm-hmm. know um and of course i you know as we've talked before i'm not a man who believes the bible straight up because it was wrote by men, and it's been messed with, and and translated, and translated, and uh, every and see, nice he counseled. Well, there was that when they, <laughs> gathered, when they gathered together, what books were in, what books were out. Um, but this is something that almost nobody knows. I mean, I, I tell this to Bible scholars, and they're like, "What?" And it's in the front of every King James Bible that all the words that are in the Bible that are in italics are words that the Catholic Church have admitted to adding for clarification. <laughs> and people think I'm nitpicky for not wanting to marry two videos and call it editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. Well, well, subject to translation, subject to what made the cut in the first place, and well, well, in the history, what what I keep getting hung up on in a lot of these these modern Bible conversations is how much history we have before the Bible that is way more informed than the Bible version. And well, so, like, I, I've, I've found myself deep into history now, like, pre-10,000 B.C., which there's very little evidence for. There's ta- it's just, Granted, there's tons of speculation. Yeah, but then yeah. you get into the myth and mythology of all these modern religions and, and different stories that we've come to, to know, and you start to lay all that together, and... It becomes a lot less speculation when you see these facts, you see these details lining up from what are believed to be disparate mythologies. Well, and it's really fascinating. It's not fact and it's not, you know, hardcore, yeah. take it for what it is, but it's every bit as legitimate as the Bible. Because right now, my interpretive skills of history are better than most people who wrote the Bible, because those kids weren't 26 when they got that shit together. Well, you know, that's a don't get old joke. We're uh, <laughs> well, you know, most of your your and I conversations end up we end up in prehistory, and because that's the part we don't know anything about. <laughs> well, and that's the part that seems to interest you and I the most. Um, you know, I'm. You know, we're getting off in the deep end of the pool here again. But Well, I toss all that out so you can pick and choose what well, you like. Well, you know, um, to my mind, there's no way humans like us built the pyramids. Not only just the ones in Giza, but the but Angkor Wat and the one that Teotihuacan and uh, Black Tepe and, and just all of those megalithic stone structures, man. Human beings like us did not do that. The reason I know this is because I was raised on a little old country farm in West Virginia, and my daddy was the hardest working man I ever knew. And he and I, you know, and any time I ever got in trouble, he wore some hide off my ass, and then he wore some hide off my hands. Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, I have done some physical work. I have done enough physical work to know that we can't build the pyramids, especially <laughs> with rocks and chisels and shit. Yep. Not not to that precision. I mean, and not only that. I mean, here's the thing: I never hear anybody say anything about. Man, it's hard for me to walk across the beach. Mm-hmm. Because the sand is shifting under my feet all the time I'm walking. How are you going to transport a 70-ton rock for for who knows how far they had to transport it to get it there? Across uh, sand. I don't think it's that complicated. And here's why. Here's why. Okay. The reason I don't think it's as complicated as we have been led to believe it it should be is because... I think it's sound levitation. I think that, yeah, I think they're, they knew things that we didn't know. Well, that ends up being a different kind of human from us. That's possible, yeah, I'll give you that, I'll give you that. Because you would have to be, to someone that, that, or it had those tools, it's definitely being, being a different kind of monkey, for sure. I think... <clears throat> There was a, you know, you was talking yesterday. We were doing a little pre-discussion about yeah. the, about the gods and how, even uh-huh. though they have different names, they seem to end up doing the same jobs, right? From culture to culture, right? And how that relates to the calendar. Well, and myself, I think, I mean, just. To, just for lack of a better term an an Atlantean Mm -hmm. society that dispersed out over the earth 10, 12,000 years ago you know at the end of the last ice age yeah there was definitely something going on that all makes sense to me because well you mean all these different peoples came up with the idea of building megalithic pyramids at the same time. Yeah, the seven the seven uh, hexagonal stone cultures. Well, I mean, you know, I look at, you know, what's that one, uh, there's that stone that's in that wall in Cusco. Is it the stone of seven angles or something they call it? Yeah, yeah, that, and that's the exact cons- kind of construction I'm talking about. Well... To me, mm-hmm. whoever made that stone, mm-hmm. that was child's play. They were doing it with their mind. Well, I don't know if it had to be their mind. I think uh, I think they could have built tools the same way that, that we built tools. They just built more. They built simpler tools, is the way I interpret it. But it could have. It's it's their mind. Whether it's a tool or it's their actual mind, well, it's still their mind. Well, yeah, and even if you know to. Maybe it was laser tools that were controlling with your mind. But, I mean, you don't... I mean, once again, I'm a man who's done some work. Mm-hmm. I, I carve wood all the time. And it's hard. And you don't take a rock and carve seven angles into it and then carve the edges back so it looks pillowed yeah. and then uh, set it in there with... A half a dozen other stones that all got to match up to it and all are pillowed and you can't slip a pocket knife between any of it. Right. That, man, I, you know, they claim that was done by people with copper chisels. 
No. And, and stones no. tied to ropes so that they could peck. <laughs> you know, stone tied to a rope so you didn't have to hold it, you know. It was swinging. <laughs> and you move, you know, and you move it around and you, you know, and you peck with it. And it's just like. No, not exactly. No, that can't, no, that that can't be. Hell, there's that one, there's that one, uh, it's the face of a pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, it's probably three or four feet tall and wide. And it's so perfectly dimensioned and, Not, s- and symmetrical in a way yeah, that's let me, unhuman. Yeah, let me let me correct you. <laughs> if you're going to talk about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive the point home. Go ahead. It's not a matter of that it is so perfectly symmetrical. It is a matter of it is perfectly symmetrical. <laughs> Meaning, this thing is four feet tall, four or five feet wide. It's bigger than a person. It's a, it's a face. And if you put a mirror in the middle of it or lay it over on itself, it is an exact symmetrical match from side to side. Which, you, good luck. Go find you somebody to make you one of those today. You, it won't happen. And if it, if it does, it'll cost you way more money than you think. And it'll take some ridiculously expensive tools. And it won't be in an incredibly dense stone. And it won't be four feet tall. Uh, it's, it's, engineering on a level that we just can barely comprehend but the evidence that i have found recently that i like is the evidence that they're starting to talk about these tuning forks the sonic drilling and if you take the staff and turn it upside down you've got a tuning fork on the end of a long resonator with a resonating rod that could be used to amplify uh, a vibration and in the experiments so far, they have found the efficiency rates uh, to be enough, efficient enough to replicate uh, extremely fast rotating drill bit simply by adding sonic vibration. So we know that there's some feasibility to to what's going on there. At the very well, least, it opens the door for well this huge amount of potential. Well, we which only is awesome. we only use what ten percent of our brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're getting better. What's getting that other ninety percent doing? Well, we use all of our brain. We just we don't use it all at the same time because it's all pathwayed out. But there are parts of the like. The pineal gland, when you get into, like, when you meditate, when you can use all of it simultaneously, that's when things get real interesting. Like, when you play music, you're, like, all all different parts of your brain light up. Like, when you're in the zone playing sports or playing music, and all of your brain is working at the same time, I think that's what you're talking about, right? When it's all working at the same time, and it seems like you're in that tunnel. I'm not sure I've ever been to that. Really? Well, in the zone? You've well, been in the zone. I've been in the zone. You've seen me in the zone. Yeah. But I wouldn't claim I'm using all my brain. Mm. And the reason why that is is because... More of it than you. Well, that may be true. But for me, it's weird. It's like that's... When I'm playing music is when I'm absolutely positive that I have multiple personalities or, <laughs> or multiple 
layers or something because when I'm in the zone, the only thing I ain't thinking about is playing. Nice. Yeah. I think that's how it should be. You know, I'm, you know, there comes a point, and like in the beginning of a show, even if I'm on, I'm still, there's a layer of me going, okay, is, is the guitar, does the guitar sound like what I want it to? Is it loud enough? Is it too loud? Is my voice sound like I want it to? Is it loud enough? Is it too loud? Is the tones good? Okay, now are they both working together right? There's another dude watching me play guitar. There's one dude playing guitar and another dude singing and another dude watching making sure they're working together. <laughs> then there's another dude watching to make sure that the bass player's doing what he's supposed to be doing and the drummer's doing what he's doing. And then there's another guy running sound going down through all the lists of his bass drum sound, right? Is it too loud? Is it loud enough? I mean, right. you know, and then finally there comes a point where all those lists are exhausted. Mm -hmm. At least on a good night when everybody's on and all is well and nothing's distracting me. And it finally comes to a point where I close my eyes and I'm not thinking about, I don't know, man. There, there comes a point in, for, for me when I can close my eyes and I can see my guitar neck. And I can see everything that's legal. Everything that will sound right and mm -hmm. good and interesting. And I can see it all at once. And it's, but I don't know. I still don't. I still wouldn't say I'm using my whole brain. Mm -hmm. It. It almost feels like, at times, it almost feels like I'm using far less of my brain. I've just got one big thing turned on and the rest of it shuts down. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It does. You know, that, and that take, and that, that's over the course of, a, of me playing. You know, that's, that's kind of how that happens for me. I think that's how... A lot of things happen. It sounds like the system. It's the checklist. It's the spend years of your life studying the rules so you can forget all of them. <clears throat> Very much all so. All in one night. Well, that's, you know, that's definitely the way I look at my guitar neck, playing lead. You know, mm -hmm. I, have, I have spent hundreds of thousands of hours learning so I can forget and get out of the way. That's... Mm -hmm. You know, that's what really happens for me because it's like, like I say, when I'm really, really on, when I'm out in the middle of a gig and everything's working good and every, everybody's playing well and everything's tight and it sounds good, I get to a part where, man, I'm just not thinking. I'm just reacting. Yeah, that's what I call the zone, man. That's what's what people refer to, I think. Well, to me, that seems like the opposite of using my whole brain. It yep. seems like I'm out of it. I'm not even in it anymore. I'm a, I'm an observer. It's like autopilot. And, you know. It is autopilot, and, mm -hmm. and it's like I'm an observer. I'm, you know, and it's almost like. See that kind of, finally those guy all them guys doing them checklists go away. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and then it comes to the point where it's not me watching me anymore, and it's not me playing anymore. I'm out of it. Yeah. <laughs> My brain is out of the deal. You right. know, it's not it's not plugged in anymore. It's just that's to me, that's when I become that pure vessel mm-hmm. through which the music is flowing. Yeah, when you talk about getting out of the way, that's a, a huge thing. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, at that point that's what it becomes for me. Getting out of my way. Getting out of my own way. Getting out of the way of the music. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I'm there thinking about it, it's, I've regressed. Right. You know, if I start having to think about it, I've regressed. You know, I'm I'm out of the zone. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, yeah. you might be right. Maybe the singularity of the brain is the getting out of the way. Well, not my idea that's other people's good idea I just kind of picked up on it but isn't that isn't it the ego that needs to get out of the way and not the brain like the the brain doing all the things that it does the singing the guitaring the standing the breathing all of those things need to be done but it's your consciousness and your saying play the guitar sing breathe is unnecessary and so when you when you can put down that ego and all of let all of these things happen without this unnecessary dictation or supervisory role. That's when you get that flow state. That would be my analogy for what's going on culturally and how much I hate middlemen. And the more middlemen we get out of the way, the closer we can get to the truth. Wow. And I think that's true for what goes on, at least in my head. Because the more I can get out of my own way, the happier I am. Well... You know, it's it's strange for me. Um, you know, there there is the philosophy of let go and let God. Yeah. You know, God's in ultimate control of your destiny, and just chill, relax, and ride. Mm-hmm. Well, then there is also the idea of. God helps those who help themselves. Okay, those are two totally contradictory philosophies. Mm -hmm. Because that means get up and do something. And the other one means just chill. You know, and so I struggle between those two all the time. And letting go and letting God is kind of getting yourself out of the way. Getting up and doing something is definitely an exercise of the ego. Yeah, if I had to make good of both of those, I would say that the getting up and doing something would be the first step. The the ego is unnecessary after the motion has begun, so the ego could just be the catalyst, which is valuable, but... It doesn't. It makes a really bad navigator past the launch pad. Maybe this well, is a reasonable analogy. <laughs> your ego should be your stage one rocket booster, and once it's done, leave it behind. <laughs> yeah, well. Because the first step is always the hardest, right? Like I don't want to go to the gym, but once you get to the gym, 
and you leave and it's like, okay, well, now that this ball is rolling, you know, so be it. Yeah. It's a lot harder to stop. It's a lot less comfortable. So the first step, so that action, get up and do something is one thing, but then be present and don't force it, like just chill, would be... I guess you could call it a comment on the state of things. Like, everything is in motion. So be comfortable with being in motion and take control of the direction. But understand that... You're not really in control of shit. Yeah. And... And since you're not in control of shit, you may as well just play and enjoy the ride. But don't stop. Like, maybe that's the goal, is don't stop. Yeah, well, like I say, man, I I struggle between those two all the time. You know, I... It's a good thought experiment. I, well, I don't even try for it to be a thought experiment as much as a life experiment. You know, and it's like, you know, I believe in God. I believe in a create a creative supreme being who can control things if he wants to. I also believe in an evil being that has a bad ego problem and uh, actually for some reason God gave him the earth and we're down here dealing and for some reason they both want us to go along with their philosophies and the truth of God is hidden, and the truth of the devil is in all the different alternative ideas that he allows to come about. So to me, there's a good and a bad, and, and I do believe at the bottom of everything, that's it. There's a, there's a good force, and there's a bad force, and... You know, our choices, our actions, and our egos often lead us into bad situations, lead us down bad paths. Making bad choices. Making bad choices. Of course, I have made some of the worst choices that a human being could possibly make. There are times that I have looked back and said, what, what the fuck was, was you thinking, thinking man? <laughs> what, what was that? What, you knew better than you knew better than that then. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to drink alcohol too. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have no. to go ahead and admit that most of my bad decisions weren't influenced by alcohol. No, no, because I most of them. I ain't no most of them. I really? haven't. I've not really ever been a drinker. No. I mean, there once was a time when I did drink, but I was the guy that always drove home. So, hmm. most of my bad decisions were not influenced by alcohol. Oh, I got plenty on both sides. But for me, it's just, well, same thing as, you know, I struggle with the let go and let God and, and God episodes that help themselves. I also struggle between um, well thinking too much and not and not thinking at all. It's a delicate balance, but worrying and overthinking that's uh, that's a, a a real problem. It's a real real problem because it uh, it creates 
a vicious, vicious cycle, which is kind of not at all what we're here to do because thinking about thinking is wonderful for the thought experiment, but it's horrible for the biology because well, you're not accomplishing anything. Well, like that's kind of like making that, it up. That's kind of like that that reality show with the couple on there watching themselves from last week and commenting on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what that is. But, you know, how do you know when, you, when you've thought enough and from this point on is overthinking? I haven't gotten there yet, so I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll tell you how weird I am. Uh, and tell me if you do this. Uh, when I see people make a facial expression, like a, a weird facial tick that you barely notice, mm -hmm. I will replicate that facial expression just to garner insight, just to get inside somebody's head because I know how mirror neurons work <laughs> and I can better understand the words that just came out of their mouth because I can make that, that image flash or I can make that same neurological emotional response by mimicking that facial expression. And so I try and get inside people's heads by doing crazy stuff like that. Do you do things like that? Um, I try not to because I don't trust it. <laughs> because it's it's hard enough to figure out what people's meaning anyway you know and then first of all i've already come to the conclusion that most people ain't telling the truth any damn way oh yeah yeah that's for you sure you know most of what i hear is an obvious lie you know i hear way too much stuff i have to put up with way too many obvious lies in my life and it's like there's one part of me that wants to jump up and yell liar <laughs> that's a lie fucking liar I'm game let's do that well trust me it don't work out cause I've done it uh, mm, right there with you you know cause here here you know I mean cause then you gotta have proof and then you know and then it's then it becomes just a big name calling thing and I don't know it's funny the older I get the more stuff I just walk away I just get up and walk away Mm-hmm. You know, there is mm -hmm. no use of a conversation here. And that's probably wisdom. I don't know for sure, but I'm starting to suspect that's, <laughs> that's wisdom. Yeah. If, uh, and so... If wisdom has anything to do with peace, then solitude is right up there in the, in the trio. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, it's just like, you know... I, well, I, those of you out there that are my friends, when you see me get up and walk away, one of two things has happened. <laughs> and the first one is I called bullshit in my head and just didn't and say it out loud. Yeah, I didn't say it out loud. And the other one is when I need to piss or get a drink or yeah. something. Both <laughs> of them are being polite. <laughs> yeah. Just one of them is pointed at a urinal and one of them is pointed at you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Maybe not. Well, I would love to see more radical honesty in the world. I think uh, I think it'd be great if people would uh, would just you know nut up more often. And I don't think we're ever going to get to that if people can't be honest with themselves. Well. Which people have gotten way too comfortable with lying in public, and that only means that they've gotten way too comfortable with lying to the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you can't if you can't lie to yourself, then you can't lie to other people. Well, because that's true. 
we only are in the eyes of other people and there's a bunch of Nietzsche shit in there that we don't have to delve into if we don't want to but but that's real that's people don't ever think like that people don't ever think on levels beyond you know I need a beer well you know when I was born I had 12 living grandparents and I knew 11 of those people and probably eight, eight of them, mm. I knew well. I knew into my teenage years. Cool. And, you know, looking back on it, you know, having, you know, not only did I have those grandparents, I had all them uncles and aunts and, you know, and the, and the, the people who were married to those, to those people, you mm-hmm. know, and, and their children. You know, and in my family, um, you could be any kind of an eccentric weirdo you wanted to be. <laughs> as, as long as you were honest. As long as you didn't lie, cheat, and steal. You could be original. Well, and that's... you could be weird. You could be a. You could be a recluse. You could be a. You could be a. a almost a stand-up comedian. Almost, not quite, but not quite. almost. But, but at least in the family circle, that was a, you, that person is a stand-up comedian. You know, and it's like. So I was raised up, in a, group of people, where honesty was valued. Mm-hmm. Far more above conformity. Yeah. You know? We need more of that. And so that has been a major impediment to my business dealings as a man in my chosen profession. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll save that for off camera. <laughs> On that note, uh, we're going to take a break. Lettuce and jelly spoons. Thanks for joining us. See you later, Facebook. Truth, love, and peace. The audio is still going okay. uh, for the podcast, but we're going to shut that down. Well, speaking of getting yeah, drunk. Because this is about to die. Okay. So I Thanks, think, everybody. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I think this was episode number 12. Thank you, Dave, for, for being guest numero y, what, uh, doce? Uh, all right. Later. Truth, love, and peace.